0: the Lord, for Thy
1: great plan, that we thy dwelling place may be.
2: Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry, featuring the ministry of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee, two ministers of God's economy who served together in China for nearly 20 years. an exhaustive commentary on the entire Bible. This program is based on those messages. Before we join today's show, we'd like to give you our website where you can find more programs just like this one. It's lsmradio.org. Again, lsmradio.org. Now, here's our show today. Have you ever wondered why God doesn't just snuff out his enemy, Satan, and all of his evil and corrupt followers with just the tip of his finger? Of course, as the all-powerful and almighty one, he could do it this way. But in his infinite wisdom and his eternal plan, God has chosen another way, a way that involves his redeemed and chosen elect, in other words, us. We'll examine this marvelous mystery today in our life study of Daniel, and Bob Denker has joined us once again to help with this mysterious book of Daniel. Bob, welcome back.
0: Again, Chris, it's a delight to be with you.
2: Bob, we are going to take a a hard turn here, I think, today for a minute, and then we'll get everybody back uh, all in one line. But we want to talk about, in our introduction today, a mysterious and marvelous romance that's revealed throughout the Bible. Witness Lee like to call it the Divine Romance. And we're going to see an aspect of this romance today. Maybe you could tell our listeners just what we mean by such a strange term as the divine romance.
0: Well, Chris, uh, as Witness Lee, as you said, is very fond of saying the whole Bible is a divine romance. And in the very beginning of the Bible, what you have is a marriage between Adam and his wife Eve. And what do you see at the end of the Bible? You see the same thing. Christ marries his bride And this bride consummates in the New Jerusalem, who is the wife of the Lamb, and Christ and his wife live a married life for eternity. That's the way the Bible ends. Mm. So you can see from beginning to end, the whole Bible is a romance, and this romance is developed from Genesis through Revelation. And we can see this in the Old Testament, Uh, in the book of Isaiah, in the book of Jeremiah, uh, in other Old Testament books, there's a strong indication that God considered the people of Israel not just as a chosen people, but as his wife. In a number of instances, he referred to himself as the husband of his people. And he spoke to them as a man would speak to his wife. But then in the New Testament, in Matthew, you know, we see the Lord said, It is the bridegroom who has the bride. Mm-hmm. Right. How can the friends of the bridegroom be sad when the bridegroom is there? That's Matthew, I think, chapter 9. Mm-hmm. The Lord referred to himself as the bridegroom. And then in John chapter 3, John said, It is the bridegroom who has the bride. He must increase and I must decrease. He was speaking about Christ and his followers. Christ is the bridegroom and his followers are the bride. And then you go on in the New Testament. We know Ephesians. We have Christ and the church typified by the husband and the wife. And then at the end of the Bible, we have a marriage. So the entire Bible is a divine romance. And this is really against our religious concept, because we think that God is looking for someone to bow down, to worship him, and to uh, serve him. But actually, God is looking for lovers who will love him and uh, take him as their bridegroom and as their husband.
2: Well, we're going to see an aspect of the Bride today that maybe is a little surprising, although for our listeners that were with us for our last program, we touched this topic. Today's program is very much a development of the Bride of Christ with him in a fighting capacity at the end of the age. Let's join Witness Lee for the first portion today.
1: Eventually, you have to see human government issues in effect the man fights against God directly. Antichrist, with his ten kings, will be prepared to fight against God directly. Could you see this? Human government is something not just against God, not just to rebel against God, not just to exalt men, not just to worship the idols, but eventually the human government fight against God directly. And Christ with the one to what? To crush this human government. Before that crushing, there has been a long history. Not only a long history of the world, but also a long history listen, of the new creation. It is in the new creation that Christ has prepared a bride for himself to marry. You have to know, without such a marriage, that Christ takes his bride. If so, when Christ comes to fight against Antichrist, Antichrist will have an army, but Christ will have nothing. So Ephesians shows us that the church is not only Christ's bride, but also a warrior. Christ's bride is a fighter. So, in his wedding, Christ married a fighter. Who got married at Christ's wedding in Revelation 19? Oh, Christ married the overcomers who have already overcome The evil one. Then that defeated evil one went to visit Antichrist. And Antichrist welcomed him. Antichrist and he, the evil defeated one, become one. And Antichrist, with the inspiration of the devil, stirred up all the evil persons on this earth. And he got them together to his army. In his eyes. But in God's eyes, that is a gathering of the grapes. Of the most evil ones together. To form a kind of wine price. For Christ to come down to child the wine price. Firstly, you have the wedding of Christ. Then Christ comes down with his newly married bride. To deal with Antichrist with all his armies who would fight against God. So Christ solved their old creation just by himself, being crucified on the cross. But Christ will solve the second problem to annihilate entire human government, not just by himself but by himself with his bride. And by what way he produced the bride? By the new creation way.
2: Well, Bob, as you pointed out, we see this divine romance, this marriage in the Old Testament, in the New Testament. You mentioned several books. Uh, But in this section, we really see the marriage with the bride and the fighting army. It, It strikes me he mentioned Ephesians, and these two
0: aspects are both seen in this New Testament book, aren't they? Yes, Chris. In Revelation 19, when Christ comes down from heaven to tread the wine press, of the fury of God's wrath at Armageddon he does not come alone he has an army and his army there is his bride which was mentioned just a few verses before the mentioning of the battle of Armageddon so here we can see from this picture in Revelation 19 that Christ's army will be his bride and his bride will be his bridal army well in Ephesians uh, chapter 5 and Chapter 6, we see the same situation. In Chapter 5, of course, the church is portrayed as the wife of Christ. And uh, uh, the husband and the wife there are a type, a figure, a likeness of Christ and the church as his wife. But then what do we see in Chapter 6? We see a warrior. A warrior there. That warrior there is not an individual Christian, but that warrior is. The church as a corporate body, fighting the battle with the Lord and for the Lord against Satan, the enemy of God. As Ephesians shows us, the church is both a bride and a warrior. In Revelation chapter 12, as we saw in the life study of Revelation, eventually this woman, who is the wife of Christ, produces a man-child. And this man-child is a group of overcomers who have been fighting the battle against Satan their whole life and eventually they overcome and they are raptured to the throne and when they are raptured to the throne shortly after that, Satan is cast down out of heaven mm. and then the Antichrist comes up out of the abyss, out of the Mediterranean Sea and the two of them, Satan and Antichrist, join together as one and eventually at the end of this age... Antichrist and his armies will fight against Christ and his army directly. Before that time, the human government never fought against God directly. But at the end of this age, the government of man, human government, will fight against God directly. And this, is, of course, will happen at the Battle of Armageddon. But the main thing to see is that this battle will be fought by Christ and his bride. Mm. And today, if we want to be a part of the bride and the bridal army, then we need to live in such a relationship with the Lord. We need to be a part of the church, the body of Christ, and we need to live in a loving intimacy with the Lord. And we need to fight with him and for him today to defeat his enemy today. Otherwise, we wouldn't be qualified to be the bride and the bridal army in that day. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up this matter of being qualified. It's really the focus of this next
2: section. I think if we're honest, all of us look back and view the church in total. We realize it's really not yet in such a condition where it could fight in much of a victorious way with the Lord at His coming. But yet the Lord does have a way to prepare this fighting bride. Let's find out about that in this next section.
1: When I came to this country in 1962, I began to minister. And message after message after message, transformation, transformation, transformation. Transformation is for new creation. And the new creation is needing the transformation from the old into the new. We have to be built together that we could be not only the body of Christ, but also the bride of Christ. This is what Christ needs. When we will mature in life, in transformation, I tell you, that will be the time for him to come to marry us. A bridegroom could never marry a little girl just seven years old. At least you got to be 17, still too young. It is better for you to get a husband marrying you when you are 25. There is the need of maturity. Christ knows. The bread grown, he knows. When he sees that we are 24 and a half, aha, uh-huh. sorry, he will come. He will get married with us, get himself prepared to be that stone, to drop from the heavens, and what? On the ten toes, to cross the human government that. Is fighting against God directly. It was due to that crushing Maya. The entire earth will be cleared up. No more old creation, and no more human government. Then he will be ready to increase from just a piece of stone, increasing into a big mountain that fills the entire earth.
2: Bob, all Christians wonder, when will the Lord come? What is he waiting for? I think we got a very enlightening answer to that question here. Let's look at this for a moment. Bob, what is standing between us where we are today and that day when we will come with him, really as a part of him, to be his fighting army, to clear up the whole situation?
0: Well, if we look at the church today as a whole, In terms of maturity in life, we would have to admit that the church is still quite young in life and is not qualified or prepared to be the bride of Christ. So what is needed? Well, what is needed is some overcomers who will aspire and desire to meet the Lord's need. What does the Lord need? The Lord needs a mature bride. He needs a group of people, not just some individuals, but a group of People who are built together to be one corporate bride through the transformation, as Witness Lee mentioned, transformation Mm. from the old creation to the new creation by the dispensing of the triune God into our being as a new element to renew us and to transform us from the old into the new. And the more we receive God's dispensing day after day, the more we will grow in the divine life. And eventually we will be the mature bride that the Lord needs. And we will also be the victorious army that he needs. So this is the crucial point and crucial vision. We have to see that standing between us and the Lord's coming are not just some outward world events but something inward that has to take place in our being. We need to grow in life. We need to have Christ increase in us until we become full-grown in Christ. Yeah, he won't come for a child bride, will he, Bob? No, no, he won't, Chris. Bob, we've been uh, all over
2: the Bible today in our look at this divine romance and this bride warrior. Let's come back to Daniel for our last section today. Uh, Of course, Daniel has much to do with the great empires of the Human government throughout history. We've seen uh, in several of the prophecies there. And throughout the ages, there have been some empires, some kingdoms good, some evil, some kings that were great, and some leaders that are certainly corrupt. But ultimately, the destiny of them all is to be destroyed by Christ as this enlarged stone cut without hands who smites the image and brings them all to naught. But God has used all of these governments for the accomplishment of his purpose. And that's really what we're going to look at in this final section.
1: God used the Babylonian Empire only for this one thing, to put his defeated, corrupted elect into the hand of captivity. It was a great empire in history. Nebuchadnezzar was a great builder, but his Empire only lasted about 70 years. For what purpose? Just for the purpose to bring God's corrupted people into captivity. Keep them there for 70. They would not release them. Then God put them away and brought in the me, the persons, making them two as one. To do what? To release the captivity. I say this to show you how all these kingdoms and kings were under God's management. Nebuchadnezzar was one with Satan. In Isaiah, Babylon was not a good name. But in there, Sarah's name is very good. Isaiah says, God chooses Sarah's. God loves Cyrus, and Cyrus even becomes a God's shepherd to take care of His people. Look, the Babylonian kings one after another kept all the Israel in their hands as captives. Then Cyrus came in right away in the first year of his reign. He released all the Israel in a very very positive way. Cyrus was very positive on one hand, but on the other hand, still Cyrus was a part of that big image. Still, regardless of how good he was, he was still a part of the human government, fighting against God directly. And this tells us how evil is the human government. Christ today is working with us as his new creation. And today we are in the burning furnace all the time and he is with us. Is this wonderful? Hallelujah. He's there getting everything prepared for his coming back to exercise his dominion over the whole earth. And meantime, he's also here among us in the furnace. Isn't this meaningful? I hope this would impress you. Well, this is the way to study the Holy Word. Not understand the Holy Word by a natural way. Sorry to say, even you understand how good Daniel was. He prayed every day, even three times a day. I tell you, to see this, you don't need enlightenment. But to see all the things Which I have pointed out to you This need the vision This need the revelation This is why Paul says He prayed for us That God may give us A spirit of Wisdom that we can See we can understand What is within The Holy Word
2: Well Bob Paul prayed Precisely this prayer in chapter 1 That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. I pray the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, so that you may know what is the hope of his calling. Bob, if we've received such a spirit, then no doubt we all have had our eyes enlightened in this life study of Daniel, haven't we?
0: Yes, Chris, this is the key. The key is to be enlightened, to receive light from God by the Spirit of God touching our human spirit. Light comes only from God, and it comes only to our spirit. In order to see what is behind the scenes in Daniel, what is really taking place in this book, we need a spirit of wisdom and revelation to see how God uses these evil human governments, as evil and as corrupt as they are, yet God in his sovereignty rules over all the activities of men on the earth to use even these evil instruments right. to do his will. In the case of Babylon, to deal with his corrupted people, to carry them away to captivity. Then when the 70 years that God prophesied were finished, right. he simply Put away Babylon. He brought in the Medes and the Persians. And in the first year of Cyrus, the king of Persia, the captives were released and they went back to Jerusalem to build the temple and the city again. Isn't this amazing? Tremendous. How God rules over everything and uses even the most evil of things, like the human government, to carry out His economy, His purpose on this earth. Surely we need a heavenly view to see this kind of uh, behind-the-scenes vision in the book of Daniel. We look forward to your next visit with us. I also look forward to it. Let me uh, give you our toll-free number.
2: When you call, you can ask about the printed life studies. Call us, toll-free, 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 888-543-3788. Or our mailing address, Living Stream Ministry, Post Office Box 2121, Anaheim, California, 92814 or send email to radio at lsm.org. For Bob Danker today, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you very much for listening.
1: Dear Lord, we give ourselves to Thee.
2: Receive us into
1: Thy wise hands.
2: Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. The focus of Living Stream is the works of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee, two co-laborers with the Lord in China in the first half of the 20th century. After World War II, Witness Lee brought this ministry first to Taiwan, then later to North America and eventually to the entire world. For more than 20 years, he spoke these life study messages, unveiling how each book of the Bible shows God's eternal plan. God, through Christ, wants to dispense his life and nature into redeemed man so that man would become God's expression, enlargement, counterpart, and habitation. These studies go far beyond mere doctrine and unveil a personal, practical, and experiential Christ. In these short 26-minute programs, we summarize and condense Witness Lee's rich speaking. But to enjoy all the riches in these messages, We hope you'll visit our website at lifestudy.com. There, you can read all of the Life Study messages absolutely free of charge. You can even create your own Life Study reading schedule or download more Life Study audio programs just like this one and all at no cost. Again, the website, lifestudy.com. Thanks for listening.
0: Was Jesus simply a great religious leader?
2: The next day he saw Jesus coming to him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John chapter 1, verse 29. Based on the scriptures, the religious people were looking for a great leader, but Jesus was introduced to them as a little lamb with a little dove. The lamb is for redemption, to redeem fallen man back to God. and The dove is for life-giving, for anointing, to anoint man with what God is, to bring God into man and man into God. Both the lamb and the dove are needed for man to participate in God. Scripture, John 1.29, and commentary from the New Testament Recovery Version published by Living Stream Ministry. For more information, visit lsm.org.